Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And um, I want to say that we're in this fancy hotel in the Lower East Side, but we have way more important business than that. Well, we should describe the settings first. I mean, you don't have to be so heavy. It's very heavy. It's heavy. You just... Just keep it light. It's not light. It's very, very heavy. It should not be treated lightly. Uh, one of our listeners and friends, one of Chris's old... You know, how long did you know him for? Since 2011. So Chris's friend since 2011. My friend for the last year uh, died two weeks ago? A week two and a half ago? ago? Something like that, yeah. Uh, he overdosed. And he, he was on the show. He was on the show three times. The first time he was on, he recorded an hour and a half... His story, his whole life story, and Chris wound up erasing it. By accident. It was also the only episode where Dave and I got in a fight Big on fight. air. Yeah. Big fight. A and, legit uh, real fight, which is horrible that it got to... I feel bad for Dave because we literally pushed record, and like right after we pushed record and did the intro, for some... Like within minutes, we started fighting, and I remember Dave sitting there, and Dave is just like hulking strong cross crossfit owner crossfit trainer guy and he was just sitting there and his shoulders were slumped over and his knees were close together and he was hunched in like this wow. while we <laughs> argued with each other he was chris and dave came chris and this dave came and he is the first no, he came himself he took the train oh he didn't come with you no he took the train where'd you meet him i met him in union square for some reason and um and they came to my restaurant and I gave them food, and that was when we met Dave, and then we went to my house, and then Chris, when we started recording Dopey... And all the girls, you said, were checking him out. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was incredibly <laughs> handsome. Yeah. It's like he's like the most cautionary tale of a drug-related death. He was kind, incredibly handsome. Intelligent. In- incredibly smart. <laughs> fit as the most fit person in the he world. Was, he was a tough guy. But then there was this huge dichotomy with being this really sensitive person, too, who was, like, into fish and, like, played the guitar and sang and stuff like that. Was he into fish? Yeah. I I always got the Pink Floyd vibe from him. All of that. He had a dog that he named after Sid Barrett. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. His dog's name is Barrett. That's the one his dad talked about in the obituary? Yeah. No, he just got. I don't know. Um, But... And the reason I said in the beginning, keep it light, is that's to honor Dave. And it's like, I also, like, intentionally tried to do that when we went out to eat after, was, like, to make jokes and stuff. Because, like, that's the type of person Dave was, is, like, he was funny. And that's why he liked Dopey. Of course. it's sad and it's horrible, of course. And it's like, I feel bad because I didn't really feel much at first. And I still don't. Like, I don't, like, feel really deeply over it. I think about it every once in a while. But it's mostly, like, and I said this to you when we were by ourselves... It's mostly like in like a year I'll think of him and then in two years and then it's like in 10 years and I'll be more sad at those points because I'll realize he's been dead this whole time. He didn't get that time. He doesn't have that time and like he would have been doing some pretty cool stuff. Well, you never know. That's when it's sad. You never know what anybody would do or wouldn't do. But the bottom line is that Dave didn't get the chance because of this, you know, and, and the other thing and the reason that. I, I totally get keeping it light and that Dave was uh, all about having fun and being funny and all that stuff. But um, we do a podcast on the lighter side of drug addiction, on the dark comedy of addiction <laughs> tales or whatever you want to fucking call it. And here we have one, you know, he was a committed listener. He played Dopey in his gym yeah. every week. 
He made the people working out listen to it, and they laughed about the drug addiction, and now he's dead. You know, so I'm not saying it shouldn't be light. I'm saying, you know, everybody who's Temporal listening... what we say with the reality of drug addiction. Well, yeah, everybody who's listening who is not clean, who's, like, speedballing on the way to the fucking dope spot or whatever you fuck Which you're doing. Which we've been getting emails about people listening while they go cop. Yeah, and then but, people But they shooting. actually usually say they listen while they cop and then they add at the end, like, I gotta stop. You know? Um, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I looked at something. Something popped up. But, um, fucking... Because people listen, okay, and use... And because we have such a good time making the show, I just think it's important. I think I got hit in the face with Dave's death. And we make this comedy show about the funniest parts of of using drugs and being an addict. And I like the funny parts of recovery, too. I think they're super funny. Yeah. But I just want to make it clear that it's very, very easy to die getting high. Yeah. That we're both very lucky that totally. we didn't no, die. I pick up what you're saying. And I pick up what you're saying even like if, if – and I don't know if this is what I'm hearing is sort of like a concern about the show. And that's because – I mean even at the funeral, we were going through the receiving line. I was like a little nervous to see his dad and his mom. Not his dad so much because he'd communicated with you and me before. But I was like I, I didn't know where – like what they would think of me and like, you know, what we do and stuff like that, you know? And I also just felt bad. I felt like we could have done more to help Dave, but you never, I mean, that's, you can't beat yourself up over that. Yeah. I'm not, I I refuse, I refuse to beat myself up over that because he, he just, I don't even, we don't even know how he died. We don't even know what happened. Do you know what happened? I'm just assuming you, I mean, he overdosed three times in the last couple of months. He's not the type of person who would kill himself. So, Chances are he overdosed. Right. I mean, it's not like <laughs> there's very little anybody can do for somebody who's going to use. But uh, it's funny because I was listening. We were, I was thinking that we should play his what last... What do you mean there's very little you can do? Like, I think there is stuff you can do, but it has to be precipitated with some sort of effort on the person's head. I'm saying I talked to Dave all the time. Yeah, yeah. I called him. Um, but... And he said he was going to go to meetings. I, he said he, would, I was, he, call, he would call me. He probably called me like in those, whatever, three months where he was struggling, two and a half, three months. He probably called me like five times. And I'm, 30 days of that or so was in rehab. He probably called me five or six times. And I talked to him for a little bit. But I never really like reached out to him. Like I would text him. And like I felt bad about that. I was like I should have called him more or something. He barely answered the phone. I mean when I called him, he would always text me on Facebook and then I would call him. Yeah. And then, like, he would never call back, and then he would text me again and be like, oh, I forgot to call back. So it's like, my point is, no matter how much you might reach out to somebody, if somebody wants to get high, they're going to, number one. Yeah. I mean, and then number two, once they decide they're going to get high, they might die from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you don't know which shot is going to be. That's my whole point right now. That's my whole thing. And yeah, and the rest of the, and for Dave, it was exacerbated because he was in perfect shape, literally, and he was using occasionally, right? But it was and funny shooting dope. I was listening to. Um, I was really torn in my mind if we should play his last phone call. I think it was episode seventy-one, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Maybe it was seventy. I don't know. You guys should find out. Maybe should I find out? But 
But uh, we were talking to him about it, and what we said was, uh, you should really treat recovery the way you treat fitness. Oh, yeah. And he said, and his response was so interesting. He said, he said, lots of people have said that to me. He said, the way I look at life is if you're not going to be totally about it, what's the point? And I didn't make the connection to that's how he used heroin. Like he was, he was totally. What do you mean? Like he, he took totally gigantic it. shots. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And he used the way he worked out. I mean, I would look at because he overdosed so many times in the last couple of months, and it's just like he. Yeah, he had to be doing a lot. Like he wasn't testing it. He wasn't. You know, he was doing big shots. And that's very dangerous. I would always, even when I had a crazy habit. If it was new, I would I would take like a, a, a half shot first, just because yeah. I didn't want to die. Yeah, you know I would see how much I had. If I had Even twenty, with a habit you would. If I had, it, yeah, if because what I when I was really using, I would get like twenty bags at a time or thirty bags at a time, yeah. and the first shot would always be three bags. Yeah, you know just to see how strong it was because yeah. I didn't think three bags would ever kill me. Yeah, and then I would shoot like six or seven. Yeah, because it would never be oh, that. So you strong. still do three when you say half. You still do three. Okay. I mean half of whatever yeah, my normal shot was if it was new stuff. See, I never even cared for dope. I would be so reckless with coke. I would put a, a lot of coke in the syringe, and I always would just do enough dope to like make it so I wasn't sick. Like I didn't even care. Like I would sometimes do big shots. I just never was getting high off of it. With with dope, I never wanted. I, as much as I didn't really like living, I really didn't want to turn up dead from it. <laughs> you really didn't want to die. Yeah. Let's let's play this. Can we play the thing now? Yeah. Okay, so um, I thought we'd play this. This is actually a um, prank phone call that I made with Dave and a couple friends many years ago, and it's pretty funny. It's um, you guys have probably heard it. It's kind of it's silly. It's um, those celebrity soundboards. So we used a soundboard for Matt Damon, and all it is is um, his little clips from uh, Born Identity and Goodwill Hunting, and we called a hotel. All right, so listen up. Hello. Hi, can I help you? I, I'm looking for a uh, a guest there. Okay. And the last name? John Michael Kane. Kane with a K. Last name is Kane. Yes. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yes, who are you looking for, sir? 
John Michael Kane. Kane with a K. That's spelled K-A-N-E, correct? Yes. Okay, well, I don't have anybody in here with that last name, sir. Uh, can you check another uh, name for me, please? Uh... Mikey, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, Brian. Five names at once. I, I don't know. What you're, I don't understand what you're asking me for, guys. Do you find it hard to hide the fact that you're gay? We <laughs> no. should have done that when he hung up. Then. I don't was, know. I was that, was who was laughing That's in the background? You or him? That was me, Dave, Ted, and Colin. I don't know who was laughing. I think it's pretty funny. I mean, this guy, you know, I think it's pretty funny. It was all right. I think that it's nice that you played it. Dave, Dave would have appreciated it. I like the, uh, do you love Matt Damon because he's from Boston? No. I mean, I like Matt Damon. I think he's very talented. You don't love him because he's from Boston? It's cool. I mean, I love the story of Good Will Hunting. You know the story, right? I heard it's bullshit. It's not bullshit. How do you know? Because it's just not. I heard it's bullshit. Well, what's the story? Tell me the story. That uh, him and Ben Affleck wrote the script, and uh, I don't know. You don't even know I don't remember. Story. I heard the story was bullshit. They met at uh, either Boston Latin or something, and I, and I think um, either Ben Affleck. What's or Matt Boston Damon. Latin? It's like a uh, it's like a really it's like a fancy public school. Either that or some high school. It's a high school. It's a public school, but it's like a really good one. And um, I think they were different years, but they hung out all the time and they wanted to get into show business and they wrote the script together. And I think Ben Affleck had it and he went to some school in Southern California and he took like a screenwriting course and he showed it to his professor and his professor basically said, this is no good. Like, this isn't any very good. And, uh. And then they ended up doing it. So you don't, you don't know. This. There's, there's, a whole, there's a whole piece of the story that you don't know either. It's more than you know. I just remember somebody told me this story and then somebody else said it was bullshit. But the truth is, I don't know the story and neither do you, number one. <laughs> number two, I like that movie. and like the movie's if, fucking great, dude. movie is great. We were talking about it last night, actually. I went out to dinner with my cousins my cousin and his kid. What's what's my cousin's kids? Are those my cousins? They're also your cousins. They are. Yes. So my cousin's kids, who are also my cousins, uh, they hadn't seen Goodwill Hunting, and I made a big fuss. Really? How old were they? Uh, the the one I was talking to was fourteen. Ah, it's perfect time for him to see it. Yeah, fourteen's a great. He time. said it's an old movie. He's not going to watch an old movie. I'm like that doesn't seem like an old movie to me. You know what they were playing on classic rock the other day? Bush. An REM. Like, this is classic rock now? Classic. This is is classic rock. This is classic rock. (laughs) Uh, But Dave's dead, man. You're talking about Bush and and Dave's dead. I'm redirecting. What are you doing? Glycerine Bush? What's the song they put with Bush? uh, Breathe In, Breathe Out. What's that one? Is that Bush? Yeah, that's Bush. That's bad. Razor Blade Suitcase. That was her second one. And the first album was 16 Stone. I really I buy those when they hit the shelf when I was a kid. I don't. I don't. I, they, I was like thirteen when they came out, or not even like twelve. I like the. No, I was younger. I was like ten. I like the glycerine. Yeah, glycerine. Don't have to. I don't even know how it goes. I like that. Machine one. Head is the breathe in, breathe out one. That's what it was called. I didn't like that song. I thought that was lame. Um, it's all lame now when you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave's dead, man. Dave's dead. Um, Some vape knocks for Dave. We love Dave. Um, 
Dopey Nation, uh, I can't believe you erased his fucking episode. Oh, and I'm going to read. So um, Dave's dad and his mom put uh, a note. Um, you didn't have a casket, but like before you went in to pay respects. And it's a uh, handwritten note that Dave left for the Tooth Fairy, which I'll read, which I thought was really funny. Keeping it light, Dave from Dopey. It says, Dear Tooth Fairy, I lost my tooth and it did fall out, so you still have to give me the money. From David Marshall. We just said his last name. We say his last name all the time. We haven't said it no, once. No, we always say it. I said it before and you said, you're so dumb. I said it before and you said, oh, we always say it. And then I didn't bleep it. Which I remember because I listened to all the episodes. And I'm dumb because I say we didn't, we, we can say it. But in this episode, we never said his name and now he's dead. So his anonymity is... Forever cemented? <laughs> Listen, in terms of keeping it light, of course. I mean, I don't think we could do a heavy show, even if we tried to. No. It would be like classic rock. <laughs> you know, I don't think we could, we could do it. But, and, and like, it's, I'm just, you know, I wasn't close with Dave very long. Some other things about Dave. Uh, Dave loved Dopey. He fucking was like, I want Dopey to be bigger. You guys need a Facebook page. And me and Chris were like, we don't know how to make a Facebook page. He's like, I'll do it. And he just did it. Then I remember when What's-Her-Face, who wrote us the horrible reviews, do you think she's still listening? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, when Miss Ginger, uh, she would write us a million messages. Dave would read the messages. Because he could read it. He had access to our Facebook page, so he would read shit. I forgot about that. So he would would just be like, what the fuck is up with this? You know, it was so (laughs) funny. He would be like, Dave, you're really patient with her. (laughs) I forgot that he had access to our Facebook page. Yeah. Anyway, I'm only keeping it heavy. And on the Facebook note, uh, before we continue with Dave, I want to say thank you to Cormac for making the SoundCloud thing. What the hell does that have to do with Facebook? Because Dave made the Facebook and... Cormac is the fucking man. Yeah. Did you read my email to him when I said, if we ever make money, you'll be our first hire? No, I didn't see that. Because Cormac, God bless everyone in the Dopey Nation who does this or that, fucking Cormac is a one-man multimedia wrecking machine. Oh, yeah, he wrote some code or something. (laughs) I don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't know what he did. He's like, put it in terminal and... He... Let's just be clear about this. Cormac created our um, Reddit page, and he maintains it. Yes. Cormac, I I had talked to this guy, Billy Baru, went to see this podcast guru named Lou Pellegrino. Yeah. And Lou Pellegrino said, if you have a podcast, you need to have it on SoundCloud. So I went to Chris and I was like, "Dude, you got to put it on SoundCloud." And I said, "Sure, I'll do it." He's like, "I don't know." He said, "He said, listen, man, I'm not gonna put it on SoundCloud if it's gonna fuck with my RSS feed, you <laughs> fucking asshole." And I'm like, "I'm like, just put no." I think I said that first, and then I did what I always do with you, and I said, "Yeah, I'll do it, sure." I was like, "Great," <laughs> and then like Chris knows I'm gonna forget about it or just not care. But the thing is, wait, wait first of all, first of all, first of all, I'm sorry, but before. Before we continue, do you have anything else to say about Dave? Because he's calling in like a He's not going to call. Well, we supposedly have Omar with the sexy voice from the Share podcast calling in any minute from Costa Rica. And he has to call us. So I just wanted to give you a forum to say any closing remarks about Dave. Um, I've said it all. I'm we, sorry to cut you off. but It's okay. I love Dave. Um, I, I didn't know him for a long time, but he was a very, very... 
sweet and cool and generous and honest person. And uh, I'm sad he's dead. And uh, and I'm sad that he died uh, from drug addiction. And I'm sad for anybody else that's going to die from drug addiction. And that if you hear this, just know that it's a, a good chance if you're shooting dope that it could kill you. Totally. You know, and, I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, and I just... You know, I think when I was doing it, I never, I was like, there's no way it's going to kill me. No, I, th- I, I remember waking up in the emergency room in Harlem, and the first thing I thought was, literally the first thing I thought was, this isn't that bad. Right. And it was bad. It was like, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and literally the first thing that comes to is, it's not that bad. Oh, like, my funny. denial, like, my brain, like, right. rebooted, and I opened my eyes, and the first thing that, like, when, like... Chris's brain was online was like denial. <laughs> it was like this isn't bad, right? Even though it's bad. Now, I remember one time I woke up on the floor of uh, the bathroom in St. Vincent's Hospital, where the lady was going, "Boy, you're too old to be acting like that." And I'm thinking, this place is kind of nice. <laughs> She's got a really cool accent. But so, Dopey Nation, you know, man, fucking a. Uh, I hope you guys don't die. And uh, and you're our people, man. We don't yeah. want you to die. We don't want you to die. We just don't want you guys to die. No. Okay? no. And, and like, you know, the next shot you take could be your last. It's so sad. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> what? It's true. You, I know you don't like those truisms. No, that's a that's um cliched. No, I think that's a line from a uh, from a Rolling Stones song. Is it really? <gasps> it's Omar. Okay, great. This is Omar from from Chair. Chair. Yes. A little over here. Hello, Omar. David. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. You're on the show, just so you know. We're, we're recording right now into the, the beautiful Yeti microphone. Um, and All I, right, excellent. And I just want you to know how honored we are that you're calling in. We love what you do. Well, well thank you. Thank you. It's, honored, it's an honor to be here. Hey, uh, Omar, my name is Chris. I do the uh, show with Dave. Hey, Chris, how's it going, man? It's good, dude. So you're calling from Costa Rica, I hear. Costa Rica. I'm here right now. I've been here for 18 years. Wow. How did that happen? All right, well, which story are we going to tell? <laughs> Let's start with the how you get... Where, where'd you grow up? All right, well, I grew up in California. I'm originally from Los Angeles. So uh, I was born in Pasadena. I oh. uh, lived in Southern Cal my whole life. Uh, moved up to San Luis Obispo, uh, Central Coast, when I was about 15. Spent about 10 years there. You know, went to uh, Cal Poly up there. Right on. Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Then uh, moved back to L.A. Uh, to work. And then uh, I got an opportunity to open up an online casino and sports book in 99 uh, uh, in Costa Rica. And that's how I got to Costa Rica. No awesome. shit. You know, I have a friend who does a sports book there. He he's on something called SBR. Have you heard of that? Oh yeah, SBR uh, Sports Book Review, which is uh, it, it's a um, a review site for all the sports books in um, well for uh, quite a lot of sports books. Uh, for a while, it was primarily the U.S. facing brands, uh, <laughs> but they've branched out. SBR has gotten very, very big. Do you know this weirdo there named Peter Loshak? <laughs> <laughs> if he's listening to me right, if he's listening, I was like, yeah, he's going to know who I am. 
Yeah, of course I know Peter. He's a wild. He's a madman. He works right now with my buddy Scott. Yeah, the they odd couple. Of, uh, handy, the odd couple. Yeah, they do some really stupid shit, man. It's yeah. funny. Peter's uh, retarded. They're good. They're good. I went to high school with Peter. I played in bands with Peter for 10 years. Oh, really? Peter is a musical genius. He's a savant. He's a musical genius. You should have him do some Jamaican shit for you. He's a master of reggae music, Omar, if you didn't know this. You really should. I don't mean to bore the dopey nation, but this is an amazing coincidence. Because, I mean, Peter's like one of my heroes. He lived on, when I was shooting heroin, Peter lived on my floor. He lived on the floor of my apartment on 24th Street. And he, like, pretended to be a stoner just so he could do shtick. You know, he was a lunatic. (laughs) Uh, that is hysterical. Well, dude, uh, all I know is, is as I get older, the world gets smaller. Okay, uh, you know, uh, there's we're we're like two degrees from separation uh, now. So often, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know oh, what I mean, and and it, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, Omar, I was um, I was at Impact twice, Los Encinas for like a year, Bishop Gooden. I ran around Pasadena for a while. I don't know if you when you moved back to LA, if you were around Pasadena at all. Uh, shit. I mean, I, seriously, man. I mean, I haven't been, I mean, I've been here for almost 18 years. So, you know, Pasadena spotty. I go back to visit my sister. You know what I mean? But, uh, Chris was hoping yeah, you were I, big, I, you were big in the treatment centers yeah. in Pasadena. <laughs> I was hoping no, for some two degrees no, of separation no, 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 myself. No. So dude, when you went to, when you went to Costa Rica, then you were, you were still using or drinking. Did we, are you a drug addict or just an alcoholic or both? No, what happened was that when I was in in the states, I was just I wasn't either. You know, I mean, I was an un- undiagnosed uh, alcoholic at the time. You know, w- what I was was just a blackout drinker. I'd go out with my buddies, I'd make a fucking ass of myself. You know, uh, pass out or get into a fight or something, and then I would you know get into all kinds of trouble, and then I'd stop drinking for months at a time, right? And so for me, that didn't equate with being an alcoholic. It just meant I didn't handle my liquor well. Right. Uh, when I moved to Costa Rica is when I started with uh, that's That's when it all came out. Moving to Costa Rica was where, you know, my, my, uh, my addiction just kind of exploded. Tell us about it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, on the, on the email, you said, you know, give us a fun. It was funny because when I, you sent me an email that said, Tell us a funny using story and tell us a funny uh, recovery story. And I spent, I wrecked my brain trying to figure out a funny recovery story <laughs> yeah, or something funny a- that happened in recovery. But I was like, what kind of stupid shit or something funny? I couldn't, there's no shortage of stupid, ridiculous stories, you know, when you're using, right? Right. Uh you know, so so those are those are the ones I got. Wait, so, so, so Omar, I, Omar, I just I'm just going to interrupt you and say the reason Dave said to tell you a funny recovery story is because he knows that the Share podcast is more recovery centric, and basically we're just tell depraved, crazy stories and add a sprinkling of recovery. So Dave is probably trying to save face, and he's like, "Oh, and a recovery story," but I just wanted really- to make sure I wasn't <laughs> offending Omar. I, I, you know, like I wanted Omar to feel comfortable. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, Omar? Okay, I, w- yeah. I want you to feel comfortable. I do. I do. I appreciate that. I feel comfortable. I feel just fine. Right on. Um, so, all right. So let's let's. I guess we can dive into 
you know, the addiction part. Um, so I moved to, I moved to Costa Rica in 99. And prior to that, uh, I was in the States. I was a mortgage broker and, uh, I left in 99 right before the real estate boom really took off. Uh, so I'll start by saying I was really fucking pissed off five years later. Right. You know, um, and so what happened was I come over here to Costa Rica to open up an online sportsbook and casino. But in the States, all I did was I was a weekend warrior kind of drinker. And occasionally I'd smoke some weed, right? I was the kind of guy that was like a Friday night. It was like a special ritual. You know, like certain people have their, I'm going to drink wine on Friday, right? Just to unwind and, you know, getting ready for the weekend, that kind of a thing. So I was never a daily anything. And then overnight, I moved to Costa Rica, and the first people I meet, um, I had to stay, I had, uh, we didn't even have a hotel when I came down there. We were staying at, at a buddy's house. And I walk in, there's a two-foot bong on the table. Everybody's high. You know, I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, I was thinking to myself, I have arrived. Yep. Right? Like, this is, it's like... And, and when you think about the sports book and casino business, you automatically think it's seedy and it's a thousand percent true. <laughs> and you come down here, every owner was just a depraved, degenerate, a maniac. Um, <laughs> none of them had, they didn't use their real names. Um, they had nicknames like the excited guy, sleazy, uncle Vicky, <laughs> you know, Ray Ray, you know, Shit like that, you know what I mean? That's um, awesome. My nickname quickly became Oh No. So, you know, <laughs> Omar kind of like, oh, and then it was like, oh, no. And then they would <laughs> see me come in, it would be like, oh, no. And so that was that soon became my nickname. I met a bunch of crazy people that eventually I became the guy that was the cautionary tale. I became the, you know, I became that guy. Um, so I came in, I start smoking weed that, that, well, I walk in, they're like, Hey, you want some weed? I'm like, of course. So I started smoking weed. We all get baked. We're all sitting around laughing and they're like, Hey, I think we like this guy. Um, and I've always had this very, um, attractive personality in the sense that people just like me and they felt comfortable around me. And I didn't have that, uh, sleazy, you know, gonna stab you in the back you know, going to fuck your wife sort of, you know, demeanor about me. Right. Sure, so sure. people typically, you know, brought me in and they did, they brought me right in. Uh, one of the principals that told me you need to fit in here. You right. know what I mean? And, and so that was the deal in my mind. When he said that everything was like, just go with the flow. And in Costa Rica with these guys going with the flow, man, smoking weed, drinking booze, going to the casinos, going to the Hotel Del Rey, which is this casino brothel, right? And uh, any anyone, any gringo guy or American that has spent time in Costa Rica by himself with his buddies, if you say the Hotel Del Rey, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like the premier brothel for all guys to stop in at. And so I start partying with these guys, and the first week that I'm there, I'm introduced to cocaine. Mm. And I'd never done cocaine before, right? But there I was, man. And that was the turning point in my life that went from the guy that was the party or weekend warrior to the degenerate drug addict. I was at the, imagine these guys had an office, 
okay, where they were running their business out of, and then there was the private manager's office, and there was about six owners that all were in the same office together. And so all of a sudden, a big plate of blow comes out. Everybody's doing, everybody's taking lines, and they're like, hey, you want some? And I mean, in 28 years of my life, there I was with this question, like, am I ready to do that shit, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, without hesitation, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. You know, um, I mean, like, what the fuck, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, you were going with the flow, flow, Omar. That was your plan to I'm go with, the, with flow. the flow. Yeah. And my first thought was, well, I'm too old to get addicted to anything. So <laughs> why not? I mean, this is the thing about, you know, what it was like for us when we got sober. Right? And, uh, you know, if you go back, I mean, I've been I, I'm in May. I'm coming up on 14 years. Nice. But back Back then, the stigma about being an addict was a degenerate, needle-using street crawler, right? So <laughs> it wasn't at the at, at the time there was no like kind of cautionary tales. Like if you do this one time, dude, you could be hooked. And I did a line of cocaine, man, and it was like I had found Jesus. Mm. I mean, it was the most amazing feeling of my life and I you know the the terrible thing was I didn't realize that for the next four years of my life I was going to be chasing that fucking high right there for the next four years and I was never going to get it again right you know I mean I just found mech I was like wow I would have finished college I you know I, I maybe I would have been a fucking politician you know I'm the smartest guy in the room now <laughs> you know everything was clearer and like amazing and it, and it was like, this is it. This drug from now on is what I'm going to be doing. It made you um, who you wanted to and be. You know, yeah. Everything was coming up, me. Omar. <laughs> yes. I understand. It was, oh, yes. Absolutely. The yeah, yeah. ego <laughs> poof, popped out, right, in, in, in like that perfect form, you know, like uh, on, uh, on the mask, Jim Carrey. Right. You yeah. know, the yeah. fucking debonair, you know, uh, like Don Juan sort of Cuban dancer kind of thing. And I am Cuban, you know? So I was like, this is it, man. Uh, and, and from that moment on, I was with these guys and we were partying like every night. And, and, and this is all these guys did was they managed to run businesses, okay? Casinos, online businesses, because all of it's over the phone. You're dealing with customers in the U.S. over the phone. And you have people that work for you, right? And all day long, these guys are smoking weed and doing coke and drinking booze every single day. And it's almost like a badge of honor that you should be able to hang and you should be able to run your business and do the same, right? Um, so um, at the same time that I did that, uh, that saying that first week that I moved in and I, and I met cocaine, I also met my wife that I didn't know she was soon to be my wife. But the first day after playing, uh, I met my my soon to be wife uh, that I ended up torturing and putting through a living hell. Right. Um, so that was so that so there's the beginning of it. That's that's where it starts the 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 springboard of this thing. And then when we fast forward uh, about four years, where the bottom starts to happen. You know, the the every year that went by, gradually the shit got worse and the shit got worse. And it went from me being able to go in and run a business to me moving my office to my house 
and hiding in a little office, right? So so that the fucking Ninja Turtles wouldn't get to me, all right? <laughs> and, and and I didn't have to see anybody in, in, in my office, right? So I did everything remotely. And everybody was concerned and thought I had a problem but me. Hmm. And so at that point, the cocaine had me so paranoid, had me so delusional that here's where all the fucking crazy shit starts happening. All right. Like um, in Costa Rica, every street that you live on has uh, a guard, has a, uh, a, a street in, uh, a street guard. So he watches so each block has its own designated guy that watches the house, makes sure, you know, that there's no strange cars coming in, nobody's breaking in, that kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. So, and I had gotten, uh, I had a gun. I had a 9 millimeter Taurus. And um, was it a Taurus? I don't even fucking remember what it was. I think it was something like that. It was a 9 millimeter Taurus, I think it was. And then, uh, so I, I, I had this gun, and I came home one day. I'm all fucking jacked up through the roof. And my, my, my wife is like, I don't even remember what it was, but she gave me a bunch of shit about something, right? And I was like, how could you know about this? What do you mean, how do I know about this? How the fuck could you know about this? You know, I didn't tell you anything. This, nobody knows this. this uh, and I'm freaking out. And I said, it was the guard. I go to my, <laughs> dude, I go, dude, I go over to my, grab the gun. And all she hears is me cocking it, right? And I start walking out, and she's screaming. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this motherfucker, this is the last time he's ever going to say any shit about what I'm doing in my own house, right? And I start, she's screaming and crying, holding on to my pant leg. And she's like, please, I swear, I, I swear to God, it wasn't him. Please don't do anything. You know, and I had this kind of like weird moment of clarity, right? Where I just kind of like, it was like somebody smacked me in the face. You saw like, yourself. You? you saw yourself for yeah. a second with the gun. You're like, what the Dude, fuck has happened? Was, yeah, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. But everything in my life was this just constant paranoia. I thought my best friend was sleeping with my wife. I thought that my wife's uh, father was a giant drug kingpin in Costa Rica and that, you know, he was keeping it from me and because I was using, he didn't want to bring me into the family so that I could be a part of it, okay? <laughs> but I wanted in and I'm trying to explain to her that I know what's happening, I know what's going on and I need you to bring me in on this, right? <laughs> and she's like, what? She goes, you need help, you need help? Right? And I'm like, I don't need help. I need in. Right? <laughs> so it's because of crazy shit that was going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, you know, we've I've got these other partners that are just as degenerate as I am. And, you know, we would be the parties that we had always included hookers. So we always had these hookers that would that would that would come in and it would just be these massive, crazy ass parties. And uh there was one that my buddy and I would always like, whenever we'd have these parties, we'd call the same one, right? And so we ended up with just like, dude, why don't we just put her on payroll? You know what I mean? Like, just put her on payroll. She can just hang out. You know what I mean? And then we can just fuck her whenever we want and that kind of shit. You know? Um, and, and so he's like, great idea. Let's do that. Fuck it. We're going to do that shit. And so 
Uh, she was excited. It was a, it was a match made in heaven. This kind of stuff. Meanwhile, I've got my, I've got two lives that I'm starting. Like I'm really starting to build a second life. You know, my first life, I'm neglecting to shit, right? Like I would disappear for days at a time. I wouldn't answer the phone. She'd be freaking the fuck out. You know that kind of stuff. Um, and so then my buddy, who is who is I, I, Japanese. You know, and these Japanese fuckers, they always fall in love with the hookers, right? So they, 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 if they, one of them, one of them used to make soup for them and shit, you know what I mean? Like they get a cold and, and they, he would make soup for them. I'm like, dude, it's a hooker. What the fuck are you doing making her soup? You know what I mean? He's like, this and is our vice president like, of operations. We need to, we need to make soup for her. She's on the payroll. <laughs> You're ruining them. You know what I mean? It's like. You know, this is this is you know you're out of your fucking mind, right? Like this is coming from me, right? So so these are the kind of you know so we'd have these these hookers that were on payroll and stuff. So they'd just be hanging around the house and you fuck them whenever you want that kind of shit. And it was just this crazy pandemonia type. You know, I've never told this story before on on live radio, but you know I heard some of your other episodes, so I feel very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm assuming, I'm assuming your audience could take it. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you know, all from the share podcast doesn't typically share these. Yeah. Well, this is great. It's an exclusive. Dopey Nation, look out! It's an exclusive. Yeah. If you guys from the share podcast hear this, just know that this is part of what happens when you use cocaine. So let's take it with a grain of salt. Um, so so anyway. We'd, on occasion, just have these girls on, on retainer, and they would just be hanging around the house, and we'd be partying like rock stars. But the thing about me is that as I progressed, I became a really mean motherfucker, right? Um, and I used to throw my weight around all the time, and, and I remember one time... Um, even chasing one of the partners around because he got pissed off that I snagged one of them and 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 took her took her away. When I came out, he's like, "You're a fucking piece of shit. You're an asshole." I'm like, fuck you, dude. It's like, what? You don't own her. You know what I mean? And 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 then a shouting match ensued. Then I start chasing around the house. It was fucking crazy, crazy ass shit. Bedlam. Um, I hear you. Yeah. So a week. So a couple two months before I'm supposed to get married. Right? Like, this is all fiancé stuff. We've been living together for a couple of years before we got married. But two months before we get married, I said, listen, I want to go to the beach, just kind of, you know, clear my head and meditate and spend some time by myself. You know what I mean? And she was like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, just on, on your own? She's like, yeah. And I can't believe she fucking let me go. But, of course, I take, you know, one of, the, one of, one of our girlfriends, quote, unquote, with me. And I... <laughs> I don't eat the whole time. I'm just doing blow the whole time, and we're driving. And you guys ever seen Enemy of the State? Yes, years ago. The movie? Yeah. Okay. Where Will Smith has all these fucking bugs on his pocket and his clothes and all that shit. Yeah, yep. I don't know if you remember that. No, I do remember Anyway, he's, you know. So anyway, I'd seen that movie. Wait, like bugs like insects or bugs like recording devices? No, no devices for yeah. tracking him all yeah. over his clothing. Okay. In his shirt, in the jacket, in the belt, in the shoes, in the watch. Okay. So it didn't matter what he got rid of, they could still track him. So I go into this like I mean hyper paranoid mode. And uh, we're at this hotel, right? 
And all of a sudden I get this feeling, I go, we got to get out of the hotel. Why? We just got here. The place is surrounded, okay? And if we don't make a move now, okay, they're coming to get, we got to get the fuck out of here, <laughs> right? <laughs> What is wrong with you? There's nobody here. We're, in a, we're at the beach in a hotel. I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? All right? And I'm like, get in the car. I'm leaving you. We got to go. All right? And she goes, well, you got to check out. Check out? They're going to be watching us at the counter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's like, so she get out of the car and she, she gets in. We bail. And, and I'm, I'm driving out of this place like a madman. Right, so we get out of the place, and she's like, "I left my watch," and I'm like, "Well, it's it's staying. The watch is staying." And she's like, "But it's the watch my mom gave me. I don't give a fuck who gave it to you. It's staying." She goes, "No, let me out of the car," you know. And I'm like, "All right, we got to go back." So we go back. I run and grab the watch, jump in the car, just like it's a fucking movie. Get back in the car. We're racing off, right? Right. And so we get. We she goes, "Hey, can you pull over at at this at?" This, this whole, at this restaurant, I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, yeah, okay, but hurry up. We got to get out of here. So we stop. She gets out of the car, and she's like, fuck you. I'm staying here. I'm taking a cab back, you know, uh, and, and stay as far away from me as possible. She takes off running, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck? What's going on? Jesus. And I got to beg her to get back in the car, right? At this point... I've been gone for a few days. I'm hallucinating like a madman. I don't know what's going on. I want, I end up calling, I somehow end up calling my future father-in-law and told him that I want to start a new religion and that I want to meet with him to talk about planning it out. <laughs> At that point, she calls my fiance and it's like, there's something fucking very wrong with O. I don't know what is going on with you guys, but you need to do something. Right, and so all of a sudden they put out. And wait, wasn't your fiance? Wasn't your fiance thinking that you were by yourself? Wasn't she like, "Um, which prostitute are you with, Omar, right now? Like, how did you? What? How did she deal with that? I managed to keep that. I managed to keep that under wraps. Okay, Hmm. I was still by myself. Okay, obviously I didn't bring up the fact that I had someone with me. Okay, (laughs) and so they send out a search party to come find me. Okay, but how did your wife handle the call from the prostitute? No, she didn't call. Oh. She didn't call. No, no, no. I called my future father-in-law. And then he called. Then he no called. Wanted to start new, listen, he called right. her. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, he called her. And he's like, he's, you need to go do something, right? So then, so, so they send out a search party, but I'm already on my way back because, you know, this hooker's freaking out on me, and I got to take her back home, right? Um... And by the time I get back, all right, all my clothes is sitting out on the living room. And, and, and she's like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you, okay? But I'm certainly not marrying this disaster that you've become, right? So, so then I, 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 somehow, I somehow convince her, you know, that, 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 you know, we should stay together, right? And then... Finally, at, at one moment, at what moment, I, when I finally kind of get her to come back and she, you know, okay, um, I disappear again with, with my buddies. You know, it's one of those all-night benders, and I end up with another one of our, you know, employees. And uh, 
And again, the paranoia starts coming in. And I'm dry. I was at some point I was driving or somewhere. I don't remember what, but I got it into me that they were behind us. They were following us in the car. Right. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'm going to be driving a little bit faster here, but they're after us again. She's like, who is after us? What are you talking about? (laughs) And I'm like, they're after us again. They're after us again. And I'm like, fuck in my clothes. I start taking all my clothes off and chucking it out the window. And she's like, let me out of the car. Just let me out of the car. So I pull over the side of the road. She gets out. I'm like, fuck you. You're on your own. And I just get back in the car and start driving. I'm in my underwear. Okay. And all of a sudden I realize it must be in my watch. It was a thousand dollar Movada watch that my wife had given me for my, my fiance gave me for my birthday. And I chuck it out the fucking window. Right. Wow. And I'm driving as fast as I can, and I get out to this desolate, freaking, I don't know where. And I remember at some point, once again, you get that, where you're looking at yourself, that you said, like that moment of clarity. Right. I'm sitting at a stop sign, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody behind me. There's nobody around me. You're in your underwear. I'm in my underwear, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm in such fucking deep shit. The fucking watch. Nobody's chasing me. What the fuck? (laughs) Right? So I'm like, I race back trying to figure out where I dumped the watch. And then I'm like, I think it might be out there. And I'm like, I can't get out of the car with my underwear. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh my God. So it's like, this is the type of like, Okay, I mean those those are that's the funny stories, you know. That's, <laughs> that's all great. There's just there's a few thousand of them, right? But but you know those are the ones that are like when you think about the disease and where it takes you, the road it takes you down, the level of paranoia. My life was a constant. They're after me. They're chasing me, and there was nobody there. Yeah. See, Chris just was bunkered down in the. Uh, the crack hotels of Harlem and Los Angeles, staring out the window or yeah. through the peephole. No, I would I would board up all. You uh, put blankets on the windows, and I'd put a towel underneath the thing in the door, and I'd stand at the peephole for literally <laughs> six to eight hours. And there'd be like a chick with me. She'd be in the bed, and she'd be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I'd be like, "Listen, like I'll talk to you from the peephole. <laughs> in the peephole." <laughs> Yeah. But Omar, like, you know, you know, people were chasing you. But I have to think, though, like in Costa Rica, doing the stuff that you were doing, you probably could have fallen in with some pretty dangerous people, right? Dude, let me tell you something, man. Um, there was a there was a, there was a, a moment, especially because of the sports book business. There was some shady shit that went down. And, and I'm glad that that uh, I dodged a few bullets. Uh, but you know, the, like the software providers that we dealt with, uh, the kind of stuff that they would do, like if you miss payments, they would just shut your shit down. Right. And then we're, you know, I'm out of business. Um, I mean, I, I put together a small little army and, uh, we actually went, we, we actually were driving out to his office to, to pull the IT guy out, the guy that was managing all we knew. We knew who could make it. We knew who could do this, and we knew who could put things back in order. And we were going to kidnap the guy. You oh know what God. I mean? Like, we, yeah. yeah, we were going to we were going to kidnap the guy. And somebody had tipped him off, 
and said, you need to get the hell out of the business building. There's some guys coming to get you. And if they catch you, right, we don't know what they're going to do to you. Right. That kind of stuff. All right. So um, a little different so than the also- States. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the wild west of cyber gambling, right? <laughs> It, it was. It was. The guys that uh, the original pioneers were were gangsters, man. I mean, guys that you did not want to fuck with, you know. Um, and I, I think that, that what happens was when I'm using or as I'm using, uh, I just kind of fit into that persona. And it right. was like, you know, it's if you're going to go gangster, then you better be prepared to go all the way. Um, and there was a point where I was, you know, and I, I mean, by the grace of God, I didn't kill anybody. Hmm. Uh, but I know there was a time where, where if, if the circumstances would have pre- prevented, presented themselves, I would have put a bullet in the guy in a second. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, hmm. that's how far off the Richter scale I was, the level of paranoia. Uh, my partners at some point, finally, I was so out of control that they were like, they had to get me out of the business. Um, and, and I remember there was a, I remember at one point I was, there was a standoff between us and we were in an argument and I lifted up my shirt and I had my gun underneath my, my belt. And I'm like, any way you want to fucking continue this shit, dude, I'm fucking down. Right. And they're like, yeah. Oh, you know what? Fuck you, dude. You know what? Oh, I'm done with you. And, and they, they like walked away and shit. But I mean, I, I, it was just, cr- it was craziness, man. Crazy, like, man. I thought I was in a movie. <clears throat> I literally thought I was in some kind of gangster movie. Well, you kind of were. Right? And, and, <laughs> you know, you, you were... Yeah. You were, I, mean, you, certain, you, I mean, I could write this the screenplays there, right? And, and, and there was plenty of times where, you know, where I threatened plenty of people, you know, um, you know, uh, big time, right? And, 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 and so I, I guess for me, too... There was a, at any given moment, if this would have continued, it would have been me or it would have been somebody else. But there's no question, somebody should have, somebody could have put a bullet in me easy, yeah. you know, and and thought justifiably so they were doing a service to humanity. Because the guy that was running around, you know, sniffing coke all day long, you know, thinking that the that that they are after me, right, uh, was a very very dangerous person. You know, um, of course, and, and it's like a, it's like an animal, a wild animal. Like you cannot, it's yeah. total unpredictable. That cocaine paranoia, it's real. Um, you're still in the it, sports book no. business. You know what? Um, I was until recently. Uh, I just I had to get out, man. You know, the, the, I've been doing the share podcast now for two years, and it's just. You know that that story I just told you is a is a freak of nature. Some, you know, animal, you know, running loose, wreaking havoc, uh, ruined his marriage. You know, my my thank God she finally left me. You know, what I mean, um, and and uh, you know that that animal was running around loose and 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 had to had to stop. You 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 know what I mean? And so I'm so far from that person, but. The casino industry in general, it's the same unsavory pieces of shit. People that are scumbags, people that, that are constantly um, backstabbing each other. And, and, and so... Well, it's very, it's, very much, it's, it's very much active addiction, even if it's not, you know, cocaine addiction or heroin addiction. It's addictive behavior, gambling, it, you know, all that stuff. It's the same kind of thing in the brain, right, that gets unleashed. 
Oh yeah, it's 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 actually many. Some people say it's it's worse. Right. You know? um, but the thing was that you know I I. I deluded myself for a long time just saying, you know, well, you know, I mean, I'm just running operations and, you know, it's just I'm doing the marketing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, the character that I deal with are scumbags. So I still had to keep that persona to a certain point. Uh, I'm obviously don't run around with a gun. I don't threaten people. I don't, you know, like that person no longer exists. But I still have to be constantly having my guard up. Every time I have a meeting with somebody, every time I make a deal with somebody, I'm always like, well, let's keep an eye here, make sure that they don't screw us here or screw right. us there. And it's always a matter of make sure we're not being screwed. Like the whole business is about make sure you're not being screwed because you know, your service providers, your, your software providers, your processing solutions, you know, the people that you work with, your partners, I mean, these are people that are in the gambling business and they're in it for a reason. And, uh, you know, recently my wife, you know, she's just like, I hate that business that you're in. And it's so not part of, of who you are. And, you know, that what's fucked up is that, you know, I've, I, like I said, I did, I've got the share podcast now for, for two years and I've been interviewed on a, on a bunch of different podcasts. I've never told anybody what I do. I don't share about it. I don't talk about it. You know what I mean? So there's a part of my life, there's a part of my life that I had to keep hidden, which is an, it's addiction. It's, an, it's another aspect of addiction, you know, where sh you have to keep something. You have to be sneaky about something. Right. You have to yeah. Hide yeah. Keep your airs of who you are and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I think I was, I think, um, you know, when you guys asked me to be on the show, I think one of the things I was excited about most was saying that I worked in the casino business and that it fucking sucked. And then I'm glad I'm out of it. And it was not congruent with my spiritual principles, not congruent with recovery. And it may, you know, and it kept me, it pigeonholed me and it, and it held me back from being, you know, completely transparent with the world. Right. right? I, I have this, I have this amazing podcast um, that I get emails and private messages from people all over the world that are, that just, rave about the show and tell me how much it's helped them and they listen to it at work and they can't get the meeting so they listen to the podcast and all this great service that I'm doing and there's a little part of me just a little part of me in the background that goes fuck I'm you're dirty man you know you're fucking dirty you're a fraud and that that feeling you're a fraud right which you're is, a fraud which is not real Omar you're doing a great thing man we get we get emails from people who are like we're driving to go cop dope and we're gonna go listen to dopey. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I wanna... <laughs> well, I do want to. I want to say to the people listening because we get people who are like in that like pre-contemplative or contemplative state, and they they listen to dopey because of the stories and whatnot. But it's like you know we we're kind of recovery light. We intersperse a little bit here and there. Um, Dave and I are both 12 step guys. We think there's any sort of way to get sober. You know, there's many paths, you know, to the same destination. Um, ultimately we're 12 step guys, but for our listeners who uh, are, you know, listening while they're copying and stuff like that. And, and then they're shooting, they're stopping. shooting speed balls Why while they're you, listening to marathon yeah, sessions yeah, of dopey. When you actually put down the needle in the spoon, um, you should probably listen to the share podcast and stop listening to dopey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Move it on to the spiritual promise land. Yeah. Uh, but but so I, I just want to say something, Omar. Uh, me and Chris have been doing this for like a year, and like 
we're both obviously drug addicts, but we're super obsessive, crazy people. So, like, we're always checking, like, the iTunes listings of which podcast. Like, I'll type in uh, drugs or addictions or <laughs> to see to see which podcast is bigger than ours and whatever. And, like, it started with, with that sober guy. Like, I wanted to get uh-huh. this so- Shane on Dopey, and Shane said he uh-huh. would do it, and then, like, he didn't do it. So I decided I was going to start a fake feud with Shane, and I kept saying, like, he could suck a dick, and <laughs> that sober guy sucks, and all this stuff, because I just... Yeah, but then you said good things. Yeah, I would say good things. I just wanted to be provocative about it, and I wanted to set up, like, a recovery podcast feud. I thought that was going to be, like, cutting edge, you know? But then you were always the top of the food chain, Omar. Yeah. Are you still there? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You fucking Google addiction. You're right there with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll podcast. <laughs> That's, what is that fucking podcast? You know, are you obsessed with this stuff like I am or no? You're way more spiritually no. sound. I was. I was. I, w- I was. And, and trust me, no, I look at my downloads every day. You know what I mean? Like, that, you know, don't get me wrong. Right? Um, but, but I – here's the thing. You know, there's that part of me that's obsessive that – wants to be the best and wants to have the most downloads and all that shit. But then there's a part of me that, that, that said, you know, if I can help one person, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Um, I help thousands of people. So game over job done. That's what, that's what the, that's what I've noticed too, is, uh, I'm this, what Dave's talking about, the obsessiveness. I have the same thing and we're just starting to get like a fair amount of emails and something that we really should be doing is responding and being more thoughtful. We've actually gotten more slothful. It's like Dave and I used to write like these really long, great responses and stuff. We talk to people's family members and help people get into treatment. But we've noticed as we start getting more and more emails, it's kind of overwhelming where we're writing these like smaller sort of terse, curt little responses. And like that's something that we need to do is like – really try to like you know talk to the people that are emailing did us. you see the email we got today where they thanked me that i i, I said him straight you're not reading my emails uh, maybe you're speaking for yourself but i'm saying for myself my emails were always short my, my emails were never good they were always very quick my emails my emails it's the same i used to i used to get really detailed about the emails and then now it's it's more like if you guys have heard you know, any number of my, my podcasts, I always throw out this HP baby. Yeah, right. yeah I heard that, um, yeah. HP baby stands for higher powered. Yep. Yes. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of like, um, you know, what I write in, in the emails is like, you know, um, it's an honor or privilege to be of service. Thank you so much for reaching out, HP baby O, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It yeah. doesn't get much shorter than that, yeah. right? But it's still, it, it's not, you know, at the, same, at the same time, it's still me, right? It's still, you know, me writing it to them. Um, and, it, and it all depends, you know, sometimes it, it depends on who, who, who sends me. Sometimes it's just like, um, dude, I just absolutely love the show. It was great, you know, I, this and this and that. And then that all it needs is like, dude, thank you so much. I appreciate the, I appreciate the love, that kind of a thing. And I think just responding, because, I mean, if you put yourself in possibly, you know, other podcasts or other guys that are out there and, you know, how many, you know, I, I, you know, you guys are bashing, uh, Shane, I'll bash fucking Rich Roll, <laughs> you know, like I fucking love Rich Roll. Okay. And so, 
you know, he's a recovering addict, blah, blah, blah. And I've been trying to get him on the fucking show forever, right? And so I sent him an email, dude, I really want you to be on the show, blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, I'm, I'm swamped. And so, you know, for the next couple of months, and so I don't think I'll be able to do it, maybe some other time. Um, and then later on, he was on Shane, the sober guy show. No, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> oh my. Shit. So then I would send him another email. I'm like, hey, dude, you know, uh, just thought I'd reach back out to you. And I get this automatic response that says, you know, due to the volume of emails, you know, <laughs> just can't take. Doesn't he know? Does he not know who you are compared to Shane? <laughs> You're the king of the fucking hell, Omar. Shane is like, give me a break. Are you kidding so me? Like, are you kidding me? I even, I, I even like, I remember running out and going, honey, you are not going to fucking believe this shit. And she's like, what? Which role is a fucking, that sober guy? What the fuck? And she's like, no, no. She's like, oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the most perfect thing I've ever heard in my life, by the way. Uh, hey, Omar, our um, so our white whale is Artie Lang. We really want to get Artie Lang on the show, right? And um, I was talking. Do you know who Artie Lang is? No, it's Artie Lang. He's this horrible drug addict who used to be the sidekick on the Howard Stern show. Uh, He's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. He has his own podcast. He's like he, he has would, a podcast called Artie Quitter, and he char he charges like five or seven six bucks. bucks. He seven made, bucks. Omar, he makes seventy seven thousand dollars a month from his podcast. <laughs> it's crazy. What? He yeah. has eleven thousand followers that pay seven dollars a month each, yeah. and it goes right to him. So, but anyways, though, uh, uh, oh, I was trying to, I wanted to get him on the pod. We've been talking about him on the podcast, you know, sporadically for the last year. And so I'm talking to Dave on the phone um, and I'm walking, I live in Boston and I'm walking through Boston Common and I'm like, oh, I heard Artie Lang's playing at the Wilbur Theater. And so I'm just talking to Dave. It was like a two minute walk. So I walk over to the Wilbur Theater. Everybody's leaving, right? And uh, I'm like, hey, I grabbed this guy leaving. And the Wilbur Theater seats thousands and thousands of people. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, Artie Lang just finished. So I see this dark alleyway. And I'm just like, I don't know why I have this intuition. I'm just like, I'm just going to walk down that alleyway. And I'm walking down it. And I see a, a door. It says stage door. And I'm like, I wonder if he would leave from this door. And I look to the left. And I see a guy getting into the limo, this like old bum looking white guy with like four big black guys. And I'm like, Artie, and it was fucking Artie. And I didn't even go to his show, and I was the only person that saw him. And I go up to him, and Dave is still on the phone with me. He doesn't even think it's happening, right? Anyways, I go to talk to him, and I just totally fucking blew it. I was like, I, I ended up taking a card for Dopey and just throwing it at his face as the door was closing. What? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Back the fuck up. You, you got to him. He, got, he gets it, Omar. He gets to him and he goes up to me. He goes, "Mr. Lang, this is for you." And he, he like he's like Mark David so Chapman outside yeah. of the Dakota. Yeah, so that I said I have something for you. And I first I handed him a card, Omar, and then I gave. And now Dave was still on the phone. I said you should talk to this guy. And as soon as I gave him the phone to talk to Dave, he's like, ah, "I got to get out of here." And he starts closing the door. And that's when I just threw the second card at his face because I knew I blew it. <laughs> Uh, no, what happened was okay, he gets he gets on the phone with me, and I said, Artie, I love you. And he said, what's your name? And I said, Dave. He goes, I love you too, Dave. And I said, Artie, are you aware of the Dopey podcast? And he says, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> 
get him on the phone? How? How do we get him on the phone? We can't. He's got an agent. Like, that's a feat. That is a feat all in and of itself. Yeah. How, how could we do it? I bet you if he knew that you owned a gambling service, he would... He would <laughs> he's he would, a degenerate gambler. He's a, he's, he's a total gambling fool. Yeah, when you get off the phone, just Google Artie Lang. You'll see there's all sorts of shit on him. Um, yeah, that's so funny. And also, I just want to say that I've got nothing against Shane. It's just my shtick. I just yeah. think it's funny and, to bash Shane. And, oh, we got to wrap up in a second, but is there anything um, for our listeners, is there a particular episode that you would suggest them uh, to tune into for the first time for the for sh- share for share. Yeah, absolutely. Now, but real quick before we segue, uh, Shane is a good friend of mine. You right know? now, um, yeah, I mean, I I love Shane, and I'll be honest with you. Um, when you guys sent me out the email to be on, right, and, yeah. and so I'm like, oh look at this Dopey podcast. Let me check this out, and I start listening to it. And I'm like, these guys are fucking whacked you know what i mean i was like these guys are out of their fucking mind i heard one episode of the guy i don't know it was with a hooker and he was banging dope or some kind of shit it's fucking crazy yeah right what was, was that i don't know on the show i don't know it was one of the more recent episodes because i just grabbed the one that was the most recent right mm. and so i go well maybe it was just one episode let me go to the second one <laughs> right and they're like these heavy intense Right, and I and I second, I go, man, I don't know if I want to be on this thing, you know, because I mean? it's very, it's very drug-a-loggy, right? Yeah. And so I was, so you know, and and I, I'll be honest, that that's where my first thought, and I just let it marinate for a while, right? And I'll tell you what, Shane's got through, gone through a lot of changes in his life, and there was probably a time uh, uh, before he made some changes where he would have absolutely jumped on board. You know what I mean? I'm just thinking out loud that yeah. why Omar, what made you want to do it then? Yeah. Omar, what what changed your mind? Did you did you not get any whiff of recovery from Dopey? Was it all was it all just you know, demons and pitchforks and needles and stuff? You know, here's, here's the thing. Um, it was to be honest with you, it was this whole thing. It was too. It was about I really wanted I just recently quit the job. Like I had just quit the job when you guys emailed me. Right on. You know, and I'm and I go, you know what? I really need to talk about this fucking thing. And let's do it on Dopey. Fuck it. Let's do this shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we were like um, the great liberator. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 guys, I've been a thousand percent comfortable right now. Just like uh, it's been probably one of the smoothest interviews uh, you know, I've done. You know what I mean? Sweet. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I wasn't holding back shit. You right. know what I mean? I mean, I talked about the hookers on here, and I talked about the fucking gambling, and uh, it's like, this is me. This is who I was and who I am and that kind of a shit. And, um, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, uh, Shane and I talk on a regular. I love I love the kid, you know what I mean? Um, and, and to be honest with you, when I first started Cher, he was already live. He'd already been live for almost a year. Right. So I was chasing him like a fucking I'm like, how is this fucking guy even on here? You know what I mean? Like, right. I, it's the same shit. You know what I mean? Because that's what we do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I love that. Until you, you until you yeah, no, we're all the same, dude. 
behind closed, you know, the, the behind closed doors, we're all the same motherfucker. Yeah, know, well, we, we no like to think we're these it. unique, uh, you know, snowflakes, and we're all different, but that's not true. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm incredibly no. unique and snowflakey. <laughs> I'm the most unique snowflake there's ever been. I'm so snowflakey. But how could they not yeah. know? I mean, isn't it possible that there are identical snowflakes everywhere? Is that not possible? <laughs> How could they possibly your not? Dope, your doppelganger? Is that what they, that's your what they doppelganger. call it? Your doppelganger. I feel like there's. I see all these big-nosed Jew guys walking around that look exactly like me. It's it's so similar. It's eerie. But um, I loved having you on the show, Omar. This was a real oh, treat. Oh, wait, he didn't say the specific Oh, which episode. is the episode. Which yeah, is the episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, here's the ones. These, these, are, these are the number one rated ones. Tons of fucking downloads. Uh, Cold Chance, episode 47, Dope Sick. Amazing story. She's the bomb. Um, uh, from Crystal Meth to Comedy, Mike Lindsay, uh, episode 107, phenomenal. Okay? Uh, George, um, let's see here. Let me, hold on one second. Hold on. George D. <clears throat> Gut level honest will fuck you up. So what number is that one? Episode thirty. George D. Gut level honest. As a matter of fact, guys, if you just go to the Share Podcast, uh, www.thesharepodcast, Share S H A I R. There's a section uh, called Most Popular Episodes. In there, I've got. You know, from like the top ones that, that I've listened to in there, and all of them are just amazing. But yeah, like, gut, you, know, you will, you, I mean, I cried on that episode, episode 30. It, it was fucked up, and, and people just raved about it. They loved the episode. It was very, very, very powerful. It brought you to tears. Um, oh, dude, it, 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 it'll bring you to tears. It's a fucked so- up story with, an amazing, amazing inspirational ending. So, Cher, we got um, Cher, uh, uh, Omar, we got an email from somebody I just looked up who said that uh, he wanted to share a podcast um, with us, with me and Dave from your show that he's listened to a hundred times. He said it's episode fifteen. I don't even know what that's one a is. new email. It's a speaker from an NA conference. Oh man! He said that, that was his favorite. Even, that- Uzman D. All right. Is that a good one? Uzman D is an NA speaker. Yeah. Is an NA speaker. He, he's phenomenal. Okay. He's a, he was, uh, as a matter of fact, the reason why I posted his his share is because when I was two weeks sober, I went to the NA convention in Florida, the Frickna, Frickna Regional Convention, Narcotics Anonymous, two weeks sober, front row. He was the closing speaker. Uh, he shared... And I said, one day that's going to be me up there. And uh, last year I went to Seattle and I was the opening speaker for the Narcotics Anonymous Convention in Seattle. Awesome, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. It is. Yeah. Recovery is recovery is the shit, man. It's the best thing that ever happened in my life. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't be married to my amazing wife. You know, I wouldn't have the relationship with my daughter that I have today or the relationship I have with my ex-wife. My ex-wife and I are like best friends. We celebrate Christmas together with my current wife and her and my ex-wife's family. Every Christmas we spend with them, it's 
it's only through recovery that I live a life that is absolutely phenomenal and beyond words. Right on. I hear you. I feel the same way. I love that. Um, Thank you again. It's beyond my wildest dreams that you would actually call in and and we got the crazy, unfiltered, unbridled, (laughs) gun-toting, coke-snorting Omar. What a fucking gift. Dude, you got it. (laughs) Unedited. No, we love that. Unfiltered. So let's stay in in touch. Stay in touch. And uh, Omar, we suggest uh, you should reach out to Jed from the uh, Church and Other Drugs podcast. He's uh, He's an interesting fellow. Who's this? This guy, this, these guys started this podcast called Church and Other Drugs. It's like a Christian-based recovery thing, but they're, uh, the guy Jed from it's pretty cool. His name is Judd? Jed? Jed. Jed, J-E-D. He has yeah, a podcast yeah. called Church and Other Drugs. I think he listens to you, too. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just Dude, giving him a shout-out. Huh? Seriously. Thank you, very, thank you very much for reaching out to me and... and uh, I appreciate uh, the support and I appreciate you guys listening to, to the Share Podcast. I fucking, that thing saved my life. I love doing the Share Podcast, you know, and, and God willing, I'll be able to do it for many years to come. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe someday, you know, those download numbers, I'll actually be able to, you know, <laughs> stop looking at. No, no shit. I hear you. <laughs> Let me just ask you one more thing before we get off the phone. When I said that your message was strong and your voice was too, didn't you like that? Didn't you? Couldn't you feel in the, the email in the email that I sent you? Weren't you like, oh, this guy really likes likes the sound of me? Didn't it make you feel? Because Chris was Actually, making fun of me. He thought I was an, I was an asshole. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, let me. I'm glad you brought that up. When you ask, right? When when I when I read that. It's the only reason why I went and listened to the Dopey podcast. <laughs> how you wrote the email. You wrote the email, I'm like, wow, this guy's a fan. And he's got their own podcast. <laughs> Fucking cool. Gotta listen to the Dopey podcast. Right on. So I get in there, you know, I listen to it. So actually, thank you very much for that. That email was spot on. Because it did. It did. It caught my attention. I'm like, see? Wow, guys, listen. And I get so many comments. I get emails and comments from people all the time about my voice. You got a great right? voice, man. So I, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so I knew you listened to it. You know what I mean? I go, this guy obviously had to listen to it. You know what I mean? And it doesn't sound like he's a fag. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> you know, people on Reddit, right on Reddit, that I sound like a fag, though. Have you read that one? Uh, I haven't read that, no. Yeah, they said, they said the guy who's married, I'm not married, but I have a kid with, with a woman, so I might as well be married. And they said, the guy who's married always sounds gay. So he's like, isn't that weird how the married guy always sounds gay? I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's dumb. Okay. Yeah, well, we talk about a lot that we... We we talk about a lot that we wish we were gay because that way you know some nice man could take us out to eat and buy us things. Yeah, take care of us, <laughs> buy us nice clothes. <laughs> I've always been I've always been of the same belief like Andrew Dice Clay used to say. You know, if I was a fucking broad, I'd suck a dick all the way up to a fucking mansion. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. That's great. All right, Omar, we love you. You know, I waited on Andrew Dice Clay once in a restaurant. He's a really sweet guy. I love him. Um, He seemed like he would be a very sweet guy. 
He's awesome. He's exactly the way you want him to be. He has this super hot wife, and he's old, and he talks shit the second you talk to him. It's like you're just with him. He's amazing. <laughs> I, I've been trying to get him on Dopey. That's not going to happen. But I try really hard. Uh, that, that's a tough one. Yeah. You I should, love the Dice Man. Yeah. Big if, fan for years. If, you can get the, if we can get the Dice Man, we'll kick him over to you. We'll try to pass him back and forth if that can happen. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. Stay in touch with Bill, man. I really had a blast on this. Thank you. So do we. Thanks, Omar. All right. Good night, Dopey Nation. All right. Later. Later, guys. That was cool. That was great. I guess we got to go. Where are we at? We should wrap it up for a couple minutes, though. You need to play it out, you know? Here, what what do you have to say? What do you guys say? I'm say- Omar was great. Omar was amazing. He yeah. was really good. Yeah. He's built for podcasting. Yeah. He's just he's smooth. He's very I mean like He's he, into it. And he knows like as soon as like one of us starts talking, like he like He chills. He, yeah, we're not very good at that, you know. We've gotten better at that, but he's just very patient and you know. Also, I forgot about that Peter Loshek thing. The fact that he knows my That's friend. That's fucking wild. That was wild. I was trying to throw my Pasadena shit out there. I thought that would get something. It wasn't flying. Yeah. Usually your thing flies like and mine doesn't. Crackhead. How about that, man? Yeah, you guys used to go motel. to... Yeah. That, was... <laughs> that was the greatest thing ever. And you should have seen Chris's face when he started to talk about Pasadena. He looked at me with the, Dave, I got this face. He's like, I got this. And, uh, uh, and it didn't happen. Man. Yeah. And to Shane, the good dude out there. Yeah, Shane, you should have fucking done our show. <laughs> you actually happy that you didn't do it the show because it gave you something to talk about over and over and over. Oh man, and we emailed him once. Literally, if we emailed, he said sorry, he didn't come on. We I said email him back and say how about next time, and he would have done it. Instead, it's gave you shtick for a year now. Oh, I've loved it, I, and I, I also just loved the idea of a fake uh, recovery podcast feud. Yeah. Like, I thought that was just so rich in itself. The one thing about Omar and Shane that I actually feel bad, though, um, for them is is they're, they're lone wolves, you know? It's beautiful. It's more targeted and that they get to respond to stuff and they have, you know, but they're, they don't have a co-host, you know? But that's I think that's so fun about this. Is I look forward to doing it with you. It's great. That's, that's a big piece of it. If I was doing this on my own, it would have died a long time ago. But they have a different thing than you or I. They like they're heroes at the microphone. Yeah. You and me are just kicking it around. We're just two idiots. We're, we're just kicking it push around. The cord, yeah. But we kick it around. You know what I mean? Our show is about this. It's about it's it, to me we're both like these insane underachievers. Yeah. Over obsessed underachievers, <laughs> you know, or something. Where like there's no chance we would have done anything like Omar or Shane, but it's so funny that we do it together yeah. that half of the show for me is like, can you believe we even have a show? Yeah, that's totally. You know, it's like, that's the <laughs> whole show for me. You know, it was so funny. You just reminded me. I went on, and we'll wrap it up in a second. I went on a Tinder date uh, like four or five months ago, right? And there was this girl. She was wicked smart. She was like a P. Wicked smart. She was wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> was she wicked smart? Wicked smart. She's a PhD. In Where neuro- did you go on the date? Neuropsych. To? We met at Abon Pain, whatever. Abon Pain. Abon Pain. Yeah. So we met there. And um, anyway, so she's telling me about um, some of the publications she did. Some of like you know 
research studies. Right. Yeah. She was like a PhD student or something. Yeah. Yeah. She was finishing her fellowship. So I think I don't even know how a fellowship works. She, she did her PhD and then she did a postdoc and then she was doing a fellowship. Um, and so she published this stuff on it's called um, effortless perfection, right? And it's actually a term she's trying to popularize. And it's like. When people are at these highfalutin boarding schools like, uh, you know, ho- like Hotchkiss or um, what's a really fancy one? In Exeter. Something like that, yeah. And um, and, and then they're going to go to Harvard, they're going to Yale, they're going to go to Princeton, and they're going to go to grad school and sure. one of those two, you know. And, and it's basically they're competing against these other people. They all just get straight A's, really high board scores, everything's perfect. So the way they distinguish themselves is they cloak their working and they make it look like they're not really trying at all. And it's called effortless perfection. When in really reality, they're killing themselves. And it right, with, with right. effortless perfection comes a slew of like mental disorders. Like they get anxious and depressed and stuff because they want to show that they're not they're trying so as smart, hard as but they they're are. They're really killing themselves. So it's really trying this. And so I'm listening to this, and I was like, she's telling me all this stuff. And the first thing I say, I was like, is there such thing as like effortless mediocrity? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're like the opposite. We're like we're trying. Yeah, we're, I think we're, we're like efforted, you know, Effort- mediocrity. <laughs> like we put a ton of effort in to achieve mediocrity. But we don't even have done effort. We just talk about it. We don't. Do, if we spent the time that we spend talking about dopey, actually doing things for dopey, this thing would be next level. I've been doing so much stuff no, lately. You haven't. Yes, I have. Been talking about it so much. More. I got Omar on the show. <laughs> I got Omar on the show. I'm working on a big TV pitch, which is in the, the, the it's imagine. Well, that's next episode. Let's do, a, let's do the TV pitch on the next episode. All right, because we're already at an hour and a half almost. Wow. Yeah. Well, stay Thank strong. Thank you, Omar, if you're listening. Um, I hope Omar's not oh, yeah. listening. Write us a review. Uh, write a review. For, In my mind, Omar doesn't a, listen. Omar <laughs> records and he's yeah. done. Write a write a, write a review if you can on iTunes. Rest. Write a review for Omar. Write a review for Shane. Give him the five stars. Podcasters love that. Send us. What an kind email. of review is he going to write for Shane? Dear Shane, why didn't you go on Dopey? But give the love five stars. Me. We've already told five you. stars. Always five stars. Dear Shane. Yeah. Why don't you suck a dick? Yeah. Love me. All right. Um, Listen, Shane, you should call into the show, and I, I don't want you to suck dude, a dick. Yeah, yeah, he, Unless he wants to suck a dick, he doesn't have he'll to. He'll call in if we just ask him. Let's not ask him. I prefer, I prefer this. <laughs> Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. And write an email. And toodles. It, does, it, it doesn't have to be about toodles. Just and write an email. Toodles. Write an email and tell us if you like it when I say toodle. Everybody likes it, except me. I'm the one person that doesn't like it. Okay. All right. Good night. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad.
so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had